Good morning and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, the passage that was read a moment ago. I do want to say we appreciate those of you that are visiting with us as always. We're encouraged by your presence. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity you have. We've had a number that have placed membership with us in recent weeks and we would encourage you to give consideration to the work here. We'd love to have you come and join hands with us as we do everything that we can to make known Christ in this community. As we look at Matthew chapter 7 in our study this morning, we want to talk about the home. And really the thrust of what we're going to be talking about is the importance of building our home on the rock. And so I want to encourage you to look with me at Matthew chapter 7. And uh, before I get started, I do want to make mention of this. I said something about it in Bible class, and I expressed sympathy to those who were Bama fans yesterday. And I said something about those who are Ole Miss fans and State fans, and I said, act like you've been there before. But I want to remind you what Paul said, love suffers long and is kind. And so... I know it was a difficult day for some and a joyous day for others, but whatever, whatever fan base you were a part of, it was still a good day. As we look at Matthew chapter 7 today, and as we think about building our home on the rock, of course the rock that we're talking about is Christ and His Word. There are a lot of homes that are in trouble all across our land. Sadly, it's not anything new, and yet there is a way to, I guess we would say, weatherproof our home. The way to do that is to follow Scripture. And so in our study today, I want to just talk about some principles that I believe will help us have the kind of home that God would want us to have. I want to begin by talking about, first of all, the rock of Revelation. I want you to listen to Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 at verse 24. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. I want to begin by saying that as we think about the home, I am well aware that there have been any number of books that have been penned by good people that relate to the home environment. Some have focused on marriage. Others have accentuated the importance of child rearing. And while there are a lot of good books on the shelf, let me just say that the greatest book that I know of that has ever been written on the home is God's Word. I want you to think about what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, every scripture inspired of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 1, that God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now I understand that everything that 
has to do with my life in Christ is found in Scripture. But certainly the same could be said about the home. And the home that God would, the God, or rather the home that God would be pleased with. I want to just talk for a minute or two about what the Bible has to say about the origination of the home. Because you see, when we talk about the rock of revelation, we have to understand that God's word reveals unto us the origination of the home. Sometimes we talk about how there are three divine institutions that are spoken of in scripture. The first is the home, the second, the civil government, the third would be the church. But in Genesis chapter two, you recall God created man in his own image and likeness. In chapter two, verse 18, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And so in light of that, he said he would make him a helpmeet, a suitable companion, that is a compliment. And in making a suitable companion, God made the woman. Moses said in Genesis chapter two, that God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. And while in that deepened sleep, he extracted a rib. And from that rib, he made the woman. And he brought her unto the man. Adam then responded by saying, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from the man. And then Moses said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So God is the author, as we would say, of the home. It was his design. It wasn't an accident. And God realized that the perfect complement for the man was the woman and vice versa. And so as we look at the scriptures, not only do they reveal the origination of the home, but the regulations of the home. Now there are, there are numerous things that are said in the scriptures about the kind of home with which God would be pleased. I think about Ephesians chapters 5 and 6. And in those passages of Scripture, God talks about how the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. He goes on to say that the husband is to love the wife, even as Christ also loved the church. Now, sometimes people want to accentuate the headship of the male in the home. Those of us who are males, we need to understand that with that comes great responsibilities. We have the responsibility of being the provider in the home. And not just the provider, but the protector. There are a lot of men that have abdicated their responsibilities in the home. And then I think about taking it a step further and loving our wife as Paul said, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That means that I'm to have a sacrificial, self-giving love. And that kind of love is to permeate the home. Now, Paul would teach in Titus chapter 2 that the wife is to love her husband, to love her children. But we're talking about God's regulations, the kind of regulations that he imposes upon the home. And then I think about the duration of the home. You know, there are a lot of folks in our world today that for whatever reason, do not understand the value, the permanency, the commitment that is involved in marriage itself. 
In Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus was asked, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? He responded by asking this question, have you not read? One of the reasons why so many homes are not intact today is because they've never taken the time to read the greatest manual ever been written on the home. Jesus hit the heart of the problem. It's because people do not know what God's word says. But in verse 6 he said, What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. In marriage, typically, there is the exchanging of vows. And we promise to stand by one another in good times and bad times, for richer or poor, in sickness and in health, until death do we part. That's God's plan. That's what God designed for the home. Now, I want you to think with me in the second place about the rock of implementation. First of all, we have to have a respect, a reverence, if you please, for revelation. But then there has to be the application, the implementation of God's word in order for it to benefit us or in order for it to benefit the home. So listen again to what Jesus said in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them. Now note what he says. I will liken him to a wise man. If you want to demonstrate wisdom in the sight of God, here's what you need to do. Take what the Lord said and put it into practice. Live it out each and every day. Now, sometimes that's easier said than done. But when we talk about the home, if we want the home to flourish and and to be blessed, then we've got to take what the Lord has said and make it a part of our home life. I want to to just begin by talking for a minute or two about some of the dangerous trends that I think are reflected in society today. And there are a lot of trends that no doubt have been well documented. But I think about the disorder that is so prevalent, the dysfunction that exists in in so many homes. You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Do you know why a lot of homes are dysfunctional and why there are problems and there's chaos? It's because people are not honoring God's design for the home. I mean, there are a lot of homes today that are in trouble. And there are a lot of homes that have literally bankrupt because they haven't implemented God's design. Now we talk about the disorder, the dysfunction of the home today. Think about how many husbands and wives have no idea what their role, what their responsibility is in the home. I talked a minute ago about the headship of the male, the husband, and the importance of loving one another. And then I think about what Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6 at verse 4, when he said, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's not by accident, that's by design. And there are a lot of children today that have no leadership, They have no instruction, no discipline. 
And we'll talk about that in just a minute. And so there's a lot of disorder. There's a lot of chaos. Here's what Jesus said. A house divided against itself cannot stand. The home unit has to function as a unit. There has to be a sense of oneness, of unity. And then I think about divorce. A lot of homes have given way to divorce. A lot of us, we have been impacted in our own families by divorce. And while it may be true, I can't do anything about homes that have already been dissolved. I can say to our young folks, the best time to get a divorce is before you ever get married. Remember, when you get married, it is a lifelong commitment. As Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. To realize that God intends for that unit to remain intact until death. And then I think about, in many respects, some of the problems that have resulted because children lack, well, they lack leadership. They lack some guidance. What about, what, what about the parent-child relationship? Is it, is it not, not just disheartening but frightening? Some of the things that are going on in our nation. I, I think about a lot of young folks, and listen, we have a lot of great parents here, and I applaud what you're doing in the child-rearing process. But there are a lot of young people in our world today, in our, in our, in our country, in our city, in the Mid-South area, let me tell you what, they have absolutely no guidance. There is no direction. What Paul say, rear your children in the Lord. If you want your home to be what it ought to be and you want to have your children where they need to be, you need to be teaching them what God would have them to do. Do you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6? In the long ago, Moses said, the Lord our God is one God. And he said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. These words which I commend you today shall be in your heart. And he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. When you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk in the way, the idea is you are to teach your children. Paul said we are to rear them in the Lord. There are, there are a lot of young folks today. They have no idea what God's word says. Whose fault is that? It's the fault of parents. And then I think about not, not just the lack of spiritual training, but the lack of direction in general. Why are, why are young people out running around late at night with no supervision? What, what would make young people, what would make young people in in the Mid-South area, beat up other, other young folks. I saw a 
I saw a clip the other night on Channel 5 News. And they were interviewing a couple of teenage boys. And they were asking them about beating up other kids. And do you know what they said? When asked why they were doing it, they said, because it's fun. Let me tell you what. And we wonder why our country has trouble. The boys that literally stomped three young people in the parking lot at Kroger's, at Poplar Plaza. What, what chance do they have? One of those boys was 15 years of age. They interviewed his mother. She is 33 years old. She has eight children. Now I want to ask you, what chance do they have in life? Let me tell you what kind of chance they have. Absolutely none. And you know why? Because, look, it's one thing to bring a child into this world. It's another thing to take responsibility for that child. And there are a lot of young folks in our world today, they have absolutely abdicated their responsibility in the home. And look, when we talk about this issue, it is, a, it is an issue that is not exclusive to any one people. It is a problem among whites, blacks. I don't care if they're polka dotted. If they're not doing what the Bible says to do as a parent, they're failing their children. Now, we're just talking about the home today. Here's what, here's what young folks need. They need direction. They need guidance and they need discipline. You know, there are a lot of kids today that they have no supervision. And here's what Solomon said in Proverbs 29, 15. A child left to himself brings his mother shame. You just let your children do what they want to do, act like they want to act, go where they want to go, and let me tell you what you're, let me tell you what you're asking for. A lot of heartache, a lot of trouble. As parents, should we know what our children are doing? Absolutely. Why? Because they are in our custody. or They're under our guardianship. In many respects, you have a situation where the tail is wagging the dog. Solomon talked about the importance of discipline. Now, does that mean we ought to be abusive physically and verbally? Absolutely not. But let me tell you what, when I was a child, I knew what it meant to do what's right, and I knew what it meant to do what is wrong. And when I stepped out of line, do you know how my, do you know how my daddy corrected that? He would, as we say, beat the living daylights out of me. When, when I was a young fella in the home and at school, you could tell where I was because of the smoke coming out the back. I mean, seriously. Our children need discipline. Solomon said, if you spare the rod, 
then you don't love your children. Now, thirdly, what about the rock of stabilization? Is it possible for us to stabilize, to weatherproof our homes? Listen to what Jesus said again. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I liken him to be a... I liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded upon the rock. Everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. He said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. If we fail to implement the word of God into our home, then we're just asking for trouble. But if we do implement the will of God, the word of God into our home, we'll be successful. As Jesus said, we're wise. So what about stabilizing our homes? How can I make sure that my home is weatherproof? In other words, how can I make sure that my home will stand the test? I mean, Jesus said, look, the rains are coming. He said the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it didn't fall. So how can I foolproof my home? Well, first of all, I've got to build on the right foundation. That foundation is the Savior in Scripture. I've got to make sure that when it comes to my home, that we are headed in the right direction. Here's what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That means put the Lord before anything else. As a mom or a daddy, if I'm not putting the Lord first, I need to do that. I've got to set the right example in the home. I've got to make sure that when it comes to number one in my life, that the Lord is there. That he is at the apex of my home. I have to make a conscious decision to put him first. To implement his will. To strive to the best of my ability to carry out his, his teaching every day. And then there's a second thing. Not only, not only do we need to build on the right foundation, but I want to suggest that we have to build for the right future. I want to ask you a question. As a family unit, where are you going to be in eternity? You know, in Revelation chapter 20 at verse 12, John said, I saw the dead, the small and great, standing before God. Do you know who he's talking about there? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. I want you to think about one day we're all going to stand before God. My mom and daddy, they're going to be at the judgment. I'm going to be, I'm going to be there with them. As a parent, I'm going to be standing before the Son of God. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. I'm going to give an account of my life based on how I've lived in relationship to the Word of God. Now John said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne. And he said, the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. When I stand before God, I'll give an account of my life. I'm going to give an account of how I have lived as a husband, as a father, I'm going to give an account of how I have conducted myself as a Christian. 
Paul said we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So we're going to be there. But I want you to think about this. When we stand before God on the judgment, it is an individual thing. When you stand before God, you'll give an account of your life. Behind you will be your children. And they'll stand before the Lord. And they'll be judged on the basis of how they've lived. Now, there are a lot of folks in the world today. Their children have gotten in trouble. They've been disobedient. They've been in jail. They've had all kinds of problems. And in many, many cases, you've had mamas and daddies that have bailed them out of one problem, out of another problem, and another problem. They've always been right behind them. Let me tell you what. There's, a coming, there's coming a day when we stand before the Lord and our children stand before Him. If our children are not what they ought to be, we can't bail them out. There's nothing we will be able to say or do. You might be able to bail your children or grandchildren out of this problem or that problem, but there's coming a day when you won't be able to do that. You're going to stand before the Lord. You're going to give an account of your life, of your deeds, of your actions. And your children are going to do the same. So what's the Lord going to say to you? And then, more importantly, what's He going to say to your children? What if your children were lost? What if your children were lost? And the reason they're lost is because you didn't teach them. You didn't train them. You didn't lead them. You didn't set the right example. Is it possible that on the day of judgment... They'll look over at you and say, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? John said, I saw the dead, the small and great, standing before God. That's all of us. So, I want to ask you today, is your home built on the rock? The rock of Christ. That's the only home that's going to stand the test of time. It might be the case that you're here today and you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you to begin a life in Christ. Maybe you have children and you've never obeyed the gospel. Listen, today is the time to do that. You can begin right now setting the right example for them in the home. Here's what you need to do. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John 8, 24, repent of your sins, confess his name before others, be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. God will add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. Be faithful. Now, it might be the case that you're here and maybe you're not faithful. And you haven't been the right kind of mama or daddy. You haven't been the right kind of husband or wife. It might be the case that you've not been what God would have you to be. Listen, there's hope for you. We can pray for you and with you, and God will abundantly pardon. Here's what, here's what James said. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We're interested in going to heaven. And the bottom line is we want to all go to heaven. We want to go together. It would be a tragedy of all tragedies if any one of us miss heaven. We want to go to heaven. We want our spouse to go to heaven. We want our children to go to heaven. We want our grandchildren to go to heaven. 
But if we're going to go to heaven, we've got to get on board with the Lord and build our home on the rock. So, won't you come as we stand and sing?